Assimilate This, a podcast for players and fans of the Star Trek CCG. And now, here's your host, Daniel Madison. Thank you, Allison Cagle, and thanks everyone for joining me today. Welcome to Assimilate This, Episode 7. Got a lot to talk about today. We've got a 1E show for you. We're going to be talking to somebody from the 1E creative team, and we'll have a spoiler for The Sky's the Limit. Um, let's talk about regionals for a little bit. Um, so uh, this past weekend was the first weekend for regionals, and uh, congrats to everybody that uh, went out and won a regional in that weekend. Uh, I was in a 1E and a 2E regional. I had a 1E here in Palm Bay and a 2E in Orlando, and... There's not much for me to talk about. I played really poorly both days, and uh, Thomas Kimura came up and actually won both regionals, so congrats to him. I was playing Dominion uh, in the 1E, uh, and uh, I went, I think I only went uh, 1 and 2 with a buy, something like that. Uh or two and two, I don't remember. Um, but uh, yeah, I I placed like right in the middle. I think I was fourth out of seven players. Uh, Sean O'Reilly, uh, uh, TK was playing uh, Bajoran deck. Sean O'Reilly placed second, and he was playing a Borg deck, a They Will Be Coming style Borg deck. And uh, my son Ian actually came in third, um, playing a uh, uh, Federation continuing mission deck. So. Uh, well done for those guys. Uh, over on the 2E side, uh, we had uh, nine showed up in Orlando, and as I said, TK won that one as well, and uh, I was way down on the bottom at sixth place. I brought a Terok Nor deck um, that, went, that went two and two, and uh, my first match was against Jeffrey Peterson, and he was playing Borg. And didn't really know what to expect there. I'd never played against a 2E board deck before. Uh, I think I did a fairly good job of holding it, holding him off. But his deck was was pretty scary, uh, and you know, and obviously he ended up winning. But I got de-staffed and managed to get get re-staffed and rolling again. And I solved uh, Krasari Rendezvous with my ruling council deck. And so I was at like 70, 75 points and I had a couple dilemmas under a second mission. So it, it, it was probably a lot closer than it should have been. Uh, let, let, let's leave it at that. Like I expected to get blown out and I, I felt like I was still somewhat in the game. And after that, um, yeah, it kind of went downhill from there. Uh, I did beat, uh, Rick Kinney, who was also playing a Terok Nor deck, and I lost to um, I lost to Joe Bazemore, uh, uh, who was running uh, Deep Space Nine Earth, and then I beat uh, Martin Drake running Starfleet in the final round. Um, but yeah, sixth place, not re- not where I was hoping to end up, but you know what are you gonna do? Uh, we still have our own 2E regional, uh, to look forward to. That's going to be June 29th. We're running our triples regional the same day. We also, this week, we, we had a launch party here at home for, uh, the new triples set, uh, Big Tribble and Little Kronos. Uh, 
and we got 10 players. And including three brand new players who'd never played triples before and one of our one of the new players uh stacy george was the winner so congrats to her i will say this the new triples cards were a lot of fun uh my favorite i think would have to be replicate because there were so many cards that could trigger it uh i, I played against a battle player battle put replicate in my discard pile so i get to discard a card uh, I get utilized. Replicate goes to my play pile. I get to play a card. You know, poison a replicate. Uh, replicate goes to my discard pile. I get to discard a card. There's just so many functions of it, and I don't know. You you would think people would would realize after a while stop playing stuff on the replicate player, but that didn't always happen. And actually, the the most fun part was um, you know the one they couldn't do anything about was when they played Kapla, and that way everybody put something in their play pile. And they hit a replicate, and then I get to play another card. <laughs> um, speaking of Kapla, I did see one player who actually managed to score points off the Kapla. That was Tammy Vitito. Unfortunately, it was only 70 points, but it was still fun that, to see that it actually hit and scored points. Um, I managed to score points off of a Beige in one round. Um, as I said, Stacy was the winner, and uh, in in one round she went out, and I and I uh, I was able to play a beige in, into her play pile and uh, scored fifty thousand points. I even gave her the whole the whole Kavok expression too, the the, the, the Kavok impression. I got all crazy with the eyes. I was like, "You, the person who is moving now, answer me." Experience bees. I, I I like I I totally did the whole board game thing. Like, you are looking frail. I would call you push. Cling on for a week. So, yeah, there's a uh, little craziness there. I, I, as you can tell, I'm loving the new clinging cards. Uh, My guest today is uh, a member of the first edition creative team, uh, and uh, he, uh, since the creative team is anonymous, I cannot refer to him by name, so we got to be kind of sneaky about it. So uh, as he is coming to me with information, uh, we're going to refer to him today as Shrek. So how are you today? I'm very good, thank you. All right, so... Um, you work for Creative. You work under uh, David Runyon, Super Dave, on the forums? Yep, there's, there's me, Super Dave, and a, and a couple of other guys. We all work on the, the story elements of the, uh, of the new 1E cards. We sometimes pitch in and offer ideas on the 2E side as well. Uh, there's a bit of crossover between the two teams, uh, but mostly my focus is always 1E. Okay, and uh, about when did you get started? What was, what was the first set you worked on? First set I worked on was Homefront Two. Okay. Um, there was a, a couple of a uh, couple of formats in there. I remember putting the word vocal into um, Chang's Law just because to, to try and get a, another reference into Sound of Music. <laughs> nice. 
All right, so you've been you you you've been you've been around for a little while then. Um, so how did you how did you get involved with uh, working for Creative? Uh, well, I just I just emailed um, Charlie and asked for, for ways to volunteer and um, talked about the creative side. And I'd, I've always been a big big fan of the show. I've got a bit of an encyclopedic knowledge of everything Trek, so it seemed like a logical uh, a logical line for me to go down. And uh, how long um, how long have you been playing first edition? Uh, I started playing back in '94 and collected all the sets up to um, all good things, but I stopped when uh, second edition came out. Okay, and so you you came back recently. You came back during the uh, the CC era. Yeah, um, well, I think when when uh, Chain of Command um, came out, I sort of rediscovered the uh, the cards and what the CC was doing with them and thought, yeah, this is fantastic. So I've got, I've got involved ever since. Excellent. So um, you came to us, or you came you came to me uh, wanting to do a show where we talked about creative and specifically where we talked about uh, some of the Easter eggs and some of the, the little hidden bits of lore and trivia that uh, have popped up on the cards uh, yeah. in the last few sets. Um, yeah, we've been talking in, uh, in our creative forum about, um, you know, we, we had um, this material that we wanted to to um, advertise to everyone because essentially there's been comments about some of the Easter eggs that have been spotted over the last few years just appearing on the boards, but not all of them. They've not all been caught. And we were thinking of different ways to try and do it, maybe like a quiz or a competition or... Um, something. And then we, we realized you guys are all starting these great podcasts and you'll, you want material for it. We've got some material. We're looking for an outlet. And it seemed like a perfect marriage. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I, I can understand, you know, you, you, certainly you uh, want your work to be recognized. And uh, sometimes little bits like that can get missed. It's kind of like I, I feel for, uh, for Rogue Schindler as uh, the achievement master when he's got achievements He's got cloaked achievements in there, yeah, so have been floating yeah. around for years, and nobody's found them. <laughs> it's got to be frustrating. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we thought we'd just go and uh, do a review of things from like the next generation onwards, and uh, so essentially review what's been re- released in this block so far, um, so like the, the 2012 and uh, a little bit of Snape. Um, yeah, seems uh, blo- seems a good place to start with the beginning of of block and uh, uh, the next generation is uh, yeah, that's a logical starting point and it's a, a pretty large set as well. Yeah, and uh, um, would you just go straight onto the first card or? Uh, however, you'd like to do it. <laughs> um, um, how how? Let me let me do a. a generic question here how uh, much of a challenge was the set for creative being such a large set it was it was a massive challenge i mean there was, there was what 99 cards yeah in there? and trying to go through because when, when we get the set released to us um and we get all the the, the, the sort of semi-play tested at that point there's, there's a few weeks of play testing left to go mm-hmm. but then we get 99 cards all needing story so it's a, a big intensive process to try and um, go through and because normally we want to suggest a couple of ideas for each different card. A lot of them come with um, some very obvious um, story. I mean, if you come up with, say, a character in um, 
and it's been converted to Section 2E, it's not going to be uh, be much for us to change there. There's right. There's going to be alternatives for how we can phrase the law. But sometimes you look at, um, for example, the referee cards, which are in TNG, uh, General Quarters and You Are a Monument. Yep. There was a lot of different story ideas we, uh, we bounced around for those two um, before we eventually settled on um, well, for general quarters, the uh, for limiting your personnel that you're getting out every turn, um, with the, the sort of lockdown of being in your, stuck in your quarters. Right. Right, and I see you used uh, the uh, Rogue Adenar episode as, yeah. as a point of reference for that. There weren't many specific images we could think of for general quarters. It's a concept that you hear a lot in um, Star Trek, but. There's not an awful lot of um, images you can relate to that. And I think just the, the Rogue Adenar, um seeing the, the guard in the corridor was about the only um, really good example we could think of, especially given we wanted to stay within the bounds of TNG. Yeah, I, I kind of fits the idea, too, the, the fact that there's one guy out there. <laughs> this is all you get. <laughs> yeah. Um should we start talking Easter eggs? Sure. Okay. So what do we have for uh, for us for Next Generation? Well, I think there's one that everyone spotted on Let's See What's Out There. Do you remember what that one was? Here. Well, I see Expand Their Power in the Universe. Yeah, that's the <laughs> one that was in there. Um I think most people spotted that when they saw it. It's just the uh, the old tagline from the cipher for the game. I think it was because this was like a rebirth of uh, TNG, and it's where the, the game starts. It was nice to get that in there. Yeah, that that does really fit. I, I've always, since it's come out, I've thought of the next generation as kind of a soft reboot of first edition. I mean, it it, it really did broaden the game and sort and. You know, it does a lot for new players and, you know, introducing block and it really did feel like starting over in a sense. So, And there's a, there's a couple more cards. That I just I just love the title spot. I mean, I, I love a good day to lie. Um, <laughs> I'm fun writing the law for that one just because there's so much evil stuff that Jurassic did. Um, in terms of the, the incidents that are in there, there's not an awful lot I can say from uh, East, an Easter egg perspective. But Well, there wasn't much lore in those. So, <laughs> there wasn't any lore in those. No, but um, I did enjoy naming uh, Get It Done. Just because um, Make It So has been a, you know, a card that's been around for so long. And just having that, that Jellico parallel was, uh, was good fun. I do, I do like that one, yeah. And uh, Legitimate Lead of the Empire is another favourite one because it then easily sets up illegitimate leader of the Empire in Engage. I did get a laugh when I saw that one. <laughs> illegitimate leader, yep. I think one of the, the few areas where um, on creative, when we, uh, when we look at the law, the overlap with um, essentially game elements um, comes in on, on missions when you're looking at uh, locations and specifically regions. Mm-hmm. And uh, Salvage Borg Ship was, uh, was one where we looked at it and we thought, hang on, Argolis Cluster, hasn't that been um, used on a lot of different shows? And so um, I think we actually did make a suggestion about, shouldn't this be a region? 
and uh, that that one actually made it through. I was uh, really pleased to see that. I think. I think there might have some two emissions with it on. I think there's a TUI mission, yeah, that ha- that's in the Argolis cluster, but I don't think it's backwards compatible. I think so far this is the only one for one E. Yeah. But yeah, putting it in that region does uh, open up the possibility that, that, that there'll be more than one. Because I think it was mentioned maybe twice during the Dominion War in DS9. And it does uh, sound very familiar. In, in Iborg, obviously, where this one comes from, and I think it was in True Q with Amanda Rogers. Yeah. Well, you know, Federation space, as big as it is, it's only so big. And, you know, they, they, they tell you it has, like, 150 planets or whatever. So, you know, yeah. eventually you're going to start hearing some of these names over again. Exactly. Um, usually when we're doing the Easter eggs, it's easier to get them into personnel. Normally there's uh, references you can make in there to other appearances they've made on the show. Um, so right, or, or particular, uh, like a, a, a certain famous actors, you, there might be references to some of their other work. Exactly. Yeah. Um, there's one on um, Davies, the Federation um, Universal Personnel with Science, Geology, and Physics. Don't know if you uh, can spot that one in there. Uh, well, it says he's intrigued by the symbiotic nature of the trill species, so I'm guessing he played a trill somewhere else? He played one of the uh, real symbiote guardians in the episode Equilibrium. Oh, from the uh, from the pools, the symbiont pools. Yes, yeah. Um, he was the he was the guardian that was um, quite helpful to to Dax initially, but then someone from the symbiosis commission spoke to him and he uh, became a little less helpful. Gotcha. I did not know that, so that's cool. <laughs> Hence the uh, the reference on the card. Yeah. Um. Kaczynski. Can you see anything on that? This guy. <laughs> Finds problem solving highly therapeutic. I'm, I'm guessing it has to do with that sentence. It does. Um, the actor, um, Stanley Camel, I think it is, um, he's, he regularly, up until his death, played a, uh, um, a therapist on the show Monk. Oh, okay. So he was uh, he was Adrian Monk's um, therapist for the first six series or so. Gotcha. I, I I would know this if I had watched more Monk. Uh, <laughs> and it was a good show. It was just mm. one I didn't so, stay with. Monk was well known for his problem solving skills, and this is his uh, his highly helpful therapist. That does make sense. <laughs> um, the very next card in the expansion is uh, Leanne Sue. Yes. Uh, do you recognize her at all? I don't recognize her. I remember the episode because I remember she was referred to by name. Yeah. There was um, there was uh, another episode she appeared in DS9. We wanted to try and get a reference into it uh, where she played the, the character Cassandra on Paradise, which is where um, Cisco and O'Brien get um, trapped on that planet with the genetic field so there's no technology that works oh okay um we wanted to try and get something there eventually that got boiled down into that um relishes the chance to explore new frontiers line it's not quite an easter egg itself um but uh, the next line about originally secu- uh, considered a security career is mm-hmm. this uh, the actress actually 
originally applied for the uh, the role of Tasha Yar. Oh, okay. Yeah, so uh, hence... And this uh, looks like it was a first season episode, so it kind of makes sense. You know, she tried out, wasn't cast, yeah. and then they put her in something else. Yeah, so they brought her back. Yeah. Uh, I saw I saw New Frontiers, and it makes me think of uh, Expanded Universe stuff. <laughs> yeah. I, I think we might get, get around to that in, uh, in Engage. Yeah, yeah, I I know there's one in there. <laughs> um, Seth Mendoza. I like this guy. Yeah, <laughs> a star. Um, distant relative of Earth politician. Do you have any idea what that might be a reference to? Uh, no. You probably didn't realize this was going to turn into a quiz when you started this, did you? <laughs> I guess I need to be keeping up with my pop culture. <laughs> <laughs> Do you watch The Simpsons at all? It's a what now? Do you watch The Simpsons? Yeah. McBain, his nemesis, is called Mendoza. All right. I think the the original jokes uh, when this was coming through playtesting on the card was just uh, uh, large capital letters, McBain screaming, Mendoza! <laughs> That's a Simpsons reference? <laughs> reference that he's, uh, he's the distant uh, relative of uh, um, awesome <laughs> who was uh, McBain's nemesis there is actually another um, Mendoza I think in um, Venezuelan politics so you can have it either way where uh, he's, he's either a, he's either loosely connected to a Simpsons character or a Venezuelan politician <laughs> fantastic um it makes me think of McKnight. I remember McKnight saying that she was a distant relative of a game designer, and I was like, I wonder if that means anything. And I, I maybe, uh, maybe my listeners are, are more informed than I am on that one, but uh, that always sounded like an Easter egg to me, and it wasn't one that I ever researched. Do you want to know the story behind that? You do know the story behind it. Yeah, um, I'm pretty certain that the actress who played McKnight is actually related to one of the game designers. From Decipher? I believe so, yeah. It always felt like that to me. I'm like, I wonder if someone on Decipher... I'm, I'm, I wonder if maybe there was a McKnight. <laughs> floats around the forums from time to time of uh, all the different um, Easter eggs, and I'm certain I've seen that one on there, that she is actually a, um, a connection. Yeah, some of them some of them jump out at you, and even if you don't recognize what the Easter eggs are from, they just they just you see them and like, that looks like an Easter egg. Mm. With the Federation characters, we don't get much chance to put Easter eggs in the names because usually it's people that you've uh, you've seen before and have got names and are established. They've usually been named, right? Uh, with some of the other affiliations, the background Universal characters, you have a bit more free reign to name them. Mm-hmm. Um, with the Ferengi, we got a couple of uh, new Universal creators, and we had um, some options as to how we go about naming them. So the first one is is uh, Bat. B-A-H-H-T. Yes. Um, he's actually named, I don't know if you've uh, realised this, but he's named after um, a unit of Thai currency. Huh. So we, uh, and again with uh, with Obol, later in the set, um, he, his name is also another uh, form of um, ancient currency. So uh, keep... That makes a lot of sense. In the, uh, in the Ferengi names. That makes a lot of sense, yeah, since they're... Uh... 
the uh, the profit seeking affiliation. <laughs> um, in terms of uh, there was one other Universal that we uh, we got to name, and that was uh, the Universal Nurse Levin. Mm-hmm. And, um, his name actually comes from the uh, the actor who plays him, which is I think David B. Levinson. Okay. So just to abbreviate that down to Levin, and there's another reference on his uh, on his card in the law. Uh, is this the end of it? The uh, collects antique musical recordings. Nope. No. Cousin of Broick. Mm-hmm. Broick. How do we pronounce it? Um, Broick was one of the uh, waiters on in Quark's bar on DS9. Right, right. And unsurprisingly, played by the same actor. Okay. That's the reference. There, yeah, there were a lot of actors that played multiple Ferengi. Yes. So that's not exactly. that's not surprising. Uh, another one on the, in this set. Um, you have the you have Kron. Yes. And uh, he later went on to play um, Beric in Baskals. And hence, uh-huh. on his look, there's a similar reference. Beric's nephew. Yes. <laughs> even, uh, yeah, I mean, even uh, Armin Shimmerman and uh, Max Grodenchik, who played uh, Quark and Rom, they started out playing other Ferengi characters on Next Generation. So. Yeah, well, um, uh, Max Grodenchik, he played... What was it? Um, Parlenor and mm-hmm. back on TNG. Mm-hmm. That, that sounds right. Yeah, he played Brackdor and um, uh, Letek. And then, uh, yeah, and uh, uh, Ethan Phillips played a Ferengi as well. He played Dr. Farrick. Dr. Farrick, yeah. Another one would be um, Damon Bock. So if you have a look at the, the lore on, on Damon Bock, it says... Uh, Bok could not forgive Captain Picard for the death of his son. Now, does that draw any parallels for you there? It makes me think of... It makes me think of something uh, Kirk says, actually. Yes. I've never trusted Klingons, and I never will. Yeah, I could never forgive them for the death of my boy. Yes. Uh, he said at the, be- was at the beginning of um, Star Trek VI. Yes. And... Um, yeah, we uh, we drew a parallel to that when we were writing the law to Damon Bock. That's he cool. The card for Death of Vista. So that was intentional. <laughs> yep. Yes. <laughs> um, if we move on from the Ferengi to the Klingons, sure. Um, oh, actually, one last Ferengi um, I should probably mention um, is Mordok. Uh, I, I quite like the fact that Mordok is probably the first Universal character to get two versions. Um, that's true. Well, that's because they um, they converted uh, the the 2E Mordok. Yes. He yeah. was in the um, Strange New World. Right. So now you have Rules... Uh, I don't think he's from Rules. It looks like Tribbles. But the first Mordok, which was a Mission Specialist Mordok, and now you have uh, this new upgraded one. <laughs> with uh, more useful skills. Yes. Unless you're a specialist, of course. Um, but because he was originally in the set, um, Strange New Worlds, um, if you read halfway down his law, you will discover that he's often part of away teams to Strange New Worlds. There you go. I guess that does make another implication of where this card came from, whereas the unique uh, backwards compatible usually has the subtitle as the beginning of the lore. 
Yeah. So that yeah, that's a good reference. Um, moving on to the Klingons in the set. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll uh, I might I might save uh, one of them till the end actually because he's my <laughs> favorite. Um, okay. A lot of us in the creative team went round in circles on Loster because we were debating where exactly Loster comes from. Um, this all sort of links in as well with. Um, uh, Mail's work on um, identifying all the different image sources. Did you did you have the art already? Um, well, obviously there's the art from the Tui card. Oh, that's right. It was a conversion. Okay. So that actually comes from because yeah, I've got this story about uh, being one of the followers of Kaelas on Boris. Yeah. But we couldn't place that image as being from um, uh, Right for Lair, the um, specific episode to do with Kaelas. Yeah. Um, and eventually. Um, I think it was male that spotted it. Um, he's actually a background character from Birthright on the um, the, the Romulan planet with the, the captive Klingons. Huh. Uh, he's just been he's been re-edited in that um, image. Wrong like episode. <laughs> so he's actually re-edited to look like he's got a Klingon background. So they just used his image from uh, from Birthright mm-hmm. and hit him as a uh, a Right Blair character. The two E version, they've already had references in there to uh, Carlos and Boris, so it'd be difficult to convert him and make him into a different character altogether. Right, right. Um, no hidden Easter eggs in there, of course, but just, just an interesting story. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I'll just skip ahead to the the one on the line I was going to talk about, which is okay. Coral, do you know Corral. who plays Coral? Yes, uh, James Worthy, I believe he was a basketball player. Exactly, um, and we uh, we squeezed the word games into his law to influence uh, <laughs> his, uh, his career. There were there were uh, there were some jokes on the the forums that went around about um, trying to get the word worthy in there, which we probably should have done. So right. So we didn't do that, but um, yeah, we got games in there to to reference. Um, yeah, his original, his uh, premiere version didn't have a lot of lore at all. No. Just talking on mail and mm-hmm. worked for mercenaries, and that was about it. <laughs> the last one I was going to talk about from... I do Next. like that it says uh, he disliked replicated blood wine, because I remember he, uh, he uh, yeah. was given the blood wine, he poured it out on the carpet. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That was, that was the whole reason we put that in. That was, uh, <laughs> one of the- things that he actually did on the show. <laughs> uh, the last card I was going to talk about from The Next Generation is uh, Kellen, the uh, mission specialist for the Klingons. Yes. Uh, when this guy came to us, you know, it's just an engineer with acquisition. And we were just scratching our heads thinking about what to do with this guy. Because it doesn't seem like a very logical mix of skills. Right. Um. So we kept thinking about it, okay, so he wants to what, acquire technology, acquire parts, and eventually we came around to the idea of um, a quartermaster, like a supply agent. Mm-hmm. Worked in there. And then we thought about how on earth we come up with a name for this chap, and um, we thought about, well, who's the most famous quartermaster of, uh, of all time? And that would be Q from James Bond. 
which is what Q stands for, Quartermaster. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Hence the start of his name. And then <laughs> Q from um, James Bond for many years was played by Desmond Llewellyn. So we ah. abbreviated his name and, and turned him into Quellin. Gotcha. <laughs> That's a neat I, one. That is the one Easter egg that I think is so well hidden, no one would ever find it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a that's a tough one. <laughs> it's interesting, though. You know, I mean, it's almost not recognizable as an Easter egg after that, but 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 it's it it's interesting to see where some of these names come from, how they come about. Yeah, the evolution they go through. Yeah, I suppose whether you can classify them as. as outright easter eggs or just a little bit of like inside information or history about how we came up with names and, and lore mm -hmm. and, uh, it's, it's a whole mix but um, yeah some interesting bits in there okay and uh, you said you wanted to talk about Homefront 3 yes um, so Homefront 3 obviously there's a fair few reprints in there so we don't get to right, uh, right. a lot but there was some new stuff there was some and some conversions, I believe. Yes, um, the conversions were mostly where we got um, our little jokes in. A lot of new lore, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, well, we're calling me um, Jaglom Shrek. Um, so, <laughs> oh. so um, do you remember the episode um, that I was in? Uh, yeah, Birthright. Yes, and do you remember who played me? That is... Um, Under all that makeup. I do know who that is. That's uh, James Cromwell. Exactly. And he also played... Zephram Cochran. And hence he likes to tinker with his warp drive. He sure does. Yeah. <laughs> He's one that uh, has been in a number of uh, Star Trek parts, even before Cochran. I think he he yeah, was he... a Karama uh, on DS9. He was. And he was also... Um, the Prime Minister for the planet where, where Rogodanar comes from. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, he was one that, yeah, he had multiple roles, and then he, I remember a story about him that he got big shortly after that because he was in Babe. Yes. And, uh, you know, he became a pretty big name after that, and, and they wanted him for first contact. They're like, oh, we don't know if we can get him now. He might be too big. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, sure enough, he did the role. <laughs> um, moving on, um, there's just two others in, in this set where we've got little jokes in there. Okay. Um, so there's the Viceroy. Yes. Uh, now, I can't remember what the name of the actor who played the Viceroy is. That was uh, Ron Perlman. That's it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but he also appeared in, um, I think it was a... TV movie or TV series in America, um, Beauty and the Beast. Yes. Hence the final line. Not known the... for his beauty. Oh, <laughs> known for his beauty. Yep, yep. The last one in Homefront 3 um, is Jonathan Archer. Now, I don't know if yes. you know the, the Enterprise collection version of Jonathan Archer. They've um, they've already squeezed a quantum leap joke in. Where, uh, they did in the in the first one, the Enterprise collection. 
Yeah, so I hate them. Quantifiably better. Yeah, I see it. <laughs> Leaped into deep space to make the future quantifiably better. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> we couldn't repeat um, a quantum leap joke. Yeah, no. <laughs> else has um, um, Scott Bakula been in? And um, I don't know if you watch Chuck at all, but he's played the, the main character's father on that. I did watch Chuck, yes. And on that, his code name um, was Orion. So we had it in the line about negotiating with Vulcans, Andorians, and the Orions. Wow. So <laughs> is uh, his appearance on Chuck. I don't know that he negotiated with them successfully, but I guess that works. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's talk about the more more recent addition to Block, uh, Engage, which came out uh, in November. Is the most recent release up until this uh, this next one that's not out yet, but it's the sec- second Block set mm-hmm. for TNG. Uh, so again, you had a uh, full-size expansion to work with, though not as big as TNG. Yeah, um, it was nice. We managed to get quite a few um, good jokes in there. We'll actually start with what is quite possibly my favorite one. Um, first dilemma in the set, Antedian Assassins. Uh-huh. Um, if you ever read of the lore there, this is a very subtle joke. Um, if you ever read it. So in, in, uh, in 2365, two Antedians plan to bomb the conference on Pacifica. Without Sanatroy's help, Starfleet would not have learned that their robes were lined with explosive ultritium. Now, yeah, I don't see anything, so that's got to be pretty subtle. It is. Now, the uh, Antedians pictured there, one of them was played by Nick Fleetwood. I did know that. Uh-huh. And if you look subtly in there, we managed to work in the words, Starfleet would not. So there's Fleetwood hidden within, oh. the, within the law. <laughs> wow that is my absolute favorite from this set <laughs> that's tricky <laughs> um undercover agent the last dilemma in the set yep um obviously if you think back to premiere um oh yeah i see this one cards uh, where you've got Romulan spies are everywhere, and then I think, I think they repeated it when they did the, the new espionage cards for I think it was DS9. Romulan spies are still everywhere, yeah. And now uh, we're talking about Romulan agents, and we put this little line at the end saying they could be anywhere. <laughs> yeah, that's a good that's a good callback. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense with uh, uh, Selwak in particular. Yes. Because uh, you, you need an espionage card for Earth. Exactly. <laughs> um, one of the big things from Engage was the asymmetric missions. Yeah, yeah, that was one of the bigger themes in that set. Um, what we tried to do with the asymmetric missions is, because they can be attempted from either side, mm-hmm. uh, is make sure that the law was very neutral in terms of... Um, how it was described. So, for example, assist damaged vessel. That an example. That's um, you can see. There's uh, a Cardassian ship being attacked, and there's also Maquis ships attacking it. Yes. We wanted to keep it neutral. So, aid vessel involved in Maquis attacks. So the, the target of that can either be a Cardassian vessel, or if you're looking at it from the reverse side, you could be aiding 
Joe McKee wrestles. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, if it's yeah, it could be on either side. You could be on either end of the conflict. So, an abduction plot where the title was um, sort of predefined by what it was in two weeks conversion um, was kind of difficult to. We couldn't change the t- title as much, but with the uh, the law, we kept it as intercept Starfleet officer en route to shore leave. Mm-hmm. So, it could be, um, from the uh, the Romulan Cardassian Dominion side where they're capturing him, or it yes. could be the mission trying to get their first to rescue him. That makes sense, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't say who's doing the intercepting or, or why you're intercepting them. Yes, and uh, legal appeal as well. Um, you've got I like the, that title. <laughs> the, the non-aligned option um, on the other side means you can't just think of it from the Federation and you know Romulan Ferengi side. You've got to think about what the natives think as well. So when we wrote the, um, the Law for that, it's Debate enforcement of death penalty for breach of local law. So it's whether you're the um, the spacefaring party that have come to the planet or the uh, the local inhabitants as well. Right, right. You're debating it without without the uh, lore uh, establishing which side you're on. Right. Yeah. Um, and prevent military escalation. Again, you've got essentially two sides to this. You've got the um, but one side where you've got Picard and Golmaset. Uh, trying to go around and stop Ben Maxwell from um, escalating a conflict. And then the reverse is that Ben Maxwell's out there and he's trying to stop the Calassians rearming and going to war. Right. So investigate unauthorized activity, endangering fragile peace treaties. So whether that's um, Ben Maxwell's activity or what he himself was investigating with the Calassians. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Especially with the requirements on each side. One being um, ben Maxwell on the other side and Miles on this side. When right. we, I think, when we, some of the, the draft versions of that it was like um, talking about apprehending um, uh, rogue officers and stuff. And it didn't make much sense for Ben Maxwell to be um, the requirement on one side to, to apprehend himself. Right, right, because he is the rogue officer. Yeah. Exactly. So, <laughs> uh, so we tried to keep it again as neutral as we could. Even the title works there, prevent military escalation, because ba- Maxwell is trying to prevent a war by discovering what the Cardassians are doing. Exactly. And the Federation, or, you know, the Enterprise, is trying to prevent a war by stopping Maxwell before he goes too far. Yeah. Um, recover prisoner, the next mission in the set. Um, equally, you've got the, the Romulan Cardassian Dominion side. Where recovering the prisoner and retrieving the escape pod of the Bajoran operative is because you want to capture them. Um, and the reverse is on the Federation side, that you want to retrieve and recover them to rescue them. Yes. It's very much uh, trying to keep it as neutral as we can. I'm not, I'm not guaranteeing that we'll always be able to do that, because sometimes, uh, sometimes the, the requirements of the mission won't enable us to do that, and we'll have to just focus on one side, but... Is well, this we... a is this a reference to um, Sito? Yes, yeah. In fact, she can solve her side of it from when she uh, went on a mission with um, with the Cardassian. Uh, I think it was Jorit Dahl. Yeah, he's in this set as well. And then uh, she didn't come back. Exactly. 
So yeah, she got captured by the. Right, uh, right. Yeah, her, her skills. Uh, she's security classification with navigation and youth. That's exactly what you need to solve on the uh, on the far side. On the other side, yeah. Um, so moving away from the missions. Um, uh-huh. Uh One of the fun things about um, Engage was it gave uh, it didn't just give stuff to the Romulans. It gave uh, a little bit of stuff to other people, including the Cardassians. Mm-hmm. One of the new Cardassian cards was Golek, which was a, uh, a female Cardassian. And I yes. Think, I'm not sure. Did did you discuss this with um, with Corbin on one of your previous shows about um, the um, Kardashian references? Yes, he did. He did mention this one. He said that uh, he had lore on there that said something about kept up with the tech reports or something like that. Um, yeah, he said that this was originally uh, two two different personnel cards, and he had them called Kim and Chloe. Yeah, then it got combined. It was just Kim, Kim, Chloe, like all one word. And then <laughs> we uh, we changed the title to be Golek. Now there is some uh, some logic behind that because the woman that you see there on on the screen on that on that card uh-huh. uh, also played a, a recurring character. Um, on the background in, in TNG called Kellogg, which is Golek backwards. Oh, okay. Although it's missing a G, but it, it would look really weird if we gave it a double G at the start. Background like a like an Enterprise officer or something? Yeah, she was... Um, ensign or Yeah, like a, a, I think a security ensign. Okay. Um, if you... Um, if, I think she was played by an actress called Cameron. Just one word, name. Hmm. Um, and I think part of the bit you'll remember her most from is um, in First Contact when um, Geordie's just been talking to uh, Zephyr Cochran about um, the statue and um, how he's reaching out and looking up, to, looking up at the stars. Mm-hmm. And then a Benson's turn up and one of them hands him a pad. Yeah. And Kellogg is, uh, is the, sort of the ginger-haired ensign you can see there. Oh, okay. So, uh, yeah, she also played... It's, uh, it's quite rare to see a female Cardassian, and uh, um, this was like one of the few ones that was seen in TNG. Yeah, it is. It is rare. Uh, pff, even in DS9, you, there's a few, but you don't see too many of them. Yeah, not many, no. But yeah, she was one of them. Um, another uh, little sub team that got a bit of help was the uh, the mercenaries. Yes, I see uh, Ryback in here. Yes. Um, added, added to the to the group. Yes. Now, with, with every keyword. <laughs> yeah, he do, he does have quite a few of them, doesn't he? Um, <laughs> uh, he's a he's a he's a cook, a thief, a bodyguard. He's girl, and I suppose yeah, he's, he's human as well. Yeah. A fair few. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, when we looked at him, we had this uh, this new mercenary. You know this. Uh, very hard chap, and he's a cook. And uh, for some reason, the first thing that sprang to mind was uh, Under Siege. And uh, the Steven Seagal film with uh, his character called Casey Ryback. Gotcha. <laughs> where, where he was a cook. <laughs> it's okay, yeah. Steven Seagal played a, uh, a Navy SEAL turned cook. And, yes. Uh, we, uh, we, we named uh, this guy after him. All right, that makes a lot of sense. 
Um, if we move on to the, the Romulans in the set. So, yeah, quite a few Romulans in the set. Quite a few of them, yeah. Um, Agar, or Ag- Agia, how do you pronounce Agar. Yeah, the, the, There's uh, an obvious one in the title. Exactly, yes. He's, uh, he's Rager backwards. Yes. Uh, I love the fact that we've got a, um, a, another affiliation to add to that. Um, scientific diplomacy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, it, it, it's kind of cool that... I mean, it, it's... Every, you know, every, uh, every affiliation kind of had their own their own little team of people and then you had a couple you had the meta, the stone of gall team that was non-aligned and then you've got you've got this one that's a, a little of everybody yeah cross affiliation yeah kind of um, nice little uh, cross section of block yes nice that we can get a romulan in there too even if it's uh, uh, a little forced to uh, invent it but... right uh, nice to have him in there um, there's uh, a new mission specialist in the set, um, Delors. Yes. Uh, do you remember what the code name was for Engage? Uh, it was the one before Snape, so Umbridge, right? Yeah. How much? Oh, this is going to test your Harry Potter knowledge now. What was Delores? Oh no, God, what? you're asking the wrong. Oh, Dolores. Okay. Umbridge. Yeah. Dolores so... is Umbridge's first name. Yes. <laughs> It's it's spelled different, but um, it was a, a link back to the uh, the, the playtesting set name. Gotcha. I'm like you're asking the wrong person, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I I do remember her name. Um, yeah, we managed to to find a way to work in the um the senator reference as well to make him a, a free play. Yes, we're senator in the youth diplomatic corps. <laughs> yeah, there wasn't there wasn't an awful lot of um of uh, senators and VIPs and so forth that are actually seen in TNG. Mm-hmm. So, Vice Pro Council Moret would have been an option, but we didn't really want to use that character as a universal. Right. Oh, so this was a slot that was like that was slated for a universal. Yeah, so they decided, well, obviously, um, the previous expansion had one uh, mission specialist each. Yeah, and there is no Moret card, so maybe it's something something that can be done down the road. We might get one in future. Yeah. But the idea of having a universal vice pro console, we didn't really want to um, open that up because obviously I think pro console is one of the more um, more useful things for executive. Uh, pro console is a little more important than a yeah than a unit some universal guy. <laughs> um, so we we went with uh, one of his aides. Um, it was. Uh, Shown on the on the ground, and the image that we we had for that, I mean, it wasn't the best image because it's someone in stasis, and usually it's nice to see someone alive. Mm-hmm. Really. Um, and I think what Art did, did here was was a fantastic job because they found an old um, um, test shot from uh, from when the episode was filmed, and they managed to edit in a, a background and uh, and create this guy. Yeah, I think I saw that test shot. I think that was um, it was posted in the forums shortly yeah. after this card came out. Yeah, the, it, yeah, it was a memory difference. Yeah, I mean they did a fantastic job here. I think. Yeah, it, it ended up looking really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, 
of the three Romulans that I'm going to talk about, the third one um, is possibly my favourite. Um, and it's Taran. Now, um, this actor, I mean, he's, he's already a card in Tui. Um, but the actor who played Taran. Yes. Allegedly called Taran in Tui. Apparently, um, he also played Talak. Yes. Um, so it was um, the same guy used on two different images for one for a one E card, one for a two E card. And of course, we're going around looking for some people who could legitimately be used as Tal Shiar. And we're linking back to the only sort of real TNG episode where we can do anything with that. And that's uh, you've got Sella and, um, and, and Talak in there. Uh-huh. And there's this. this uh, Alternative version of Telak from the prequel to Ram. So, we, so uh, he was accidentally given a new name. Yeah. So when the when the two E version came out, I presume they just didn't realize that it was the same character. Right. Um, but it's a, just a different image from an early part of the show or a later part of the show. Um. So we thought, okay, well, we could use this guy, and then we could just I- explain away that difference. So um, hence why I've got in there the. Uh, Often works alongside his twin brother Talak. Ah, so just ran with it. <laughs> just saying. Um, we actually saw. No, oh. it perfectly makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I, I like the fact we worked that in. Yeah. And then um, the last card in the set, which uh, we sort of alluded to earlier when we were talking about expanded universe, um, is Excalibur. Yes. And. and then, uh... For those that don't follow the, uh, the by Peter David. Yes, for for those that don't follow the, some of the expanded universe stuff, uh, there there was a well, I guess there still is. There's a series of novels written by Peter David, who's one of the more prominent Star Trek authors, called Star Trek New Frontier, um, where he took some elements, some existing characters, uh, and some new characters and sort of made his own series with, you know, new ship, new crew, new adventures, and uh, this was the ship, the USS Excalibur. Yeah, so um, he picked a ship that had been named in um, TNG before. Mm-hmm. I think he'd, he'd used it in some of his earlier books as well. Um, he'd put, I mean, one of the characters he uses in his books is Shelby, and he'd made her first officer of that ship. Yeah. And it uh, it appeared in uh, Redemption where this is taken from, um, and then uh, um, when he started his uh, his book series, I think it was set around the same time as First Contact, so around twenty three seventy three. And that sounds about right, yeah. Yeah, um, hence we put this uh, underwent further refit, which sort of ties in with that storyline. So there's a reference of a, a very um, a subtle reference to uh, the fact that this ship went on to do other things. Yeah, in fact, I've I've read I've read the series. If if I remember the first novel correctly, they had just picked up their new captain, and I think they said that their previous captain had been killed by the Borg. So it wouldn't surprise me if it was during first contact. Yeah, I think that was I think that was the um, the storyline of it. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, and Shelby Shelby was the first officer. Um, he also brought in. Um, from from uh, established characters, he brought in Solar and um, Robin Leffler. Yes, 
Um, so, he also used um, Angelico. Yes. <laughs> Though he was not on the ship, Jellico was just the admiral no. that uh, didn't get along with the captain. Yeah, batted heads with him a lot. Yeah. Tell you if 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 anybody, I know I know that they're hesitant to use expanded universe material, but if if anybody, I would like to see Mackenzie Calhoun, the Captain oh, Excalibur, as a card. Yeah, that would that would be uh, definitely one I would like to see as well. It's just a shame that there's no proper image for that. Yeah, they've. I mean, they've done a few. Like they had a model mm-hmm. uh, that that they used to sort of play him and so there were you know there's a few art depictions of him uh, I think he yeah. even got an action figure yeah but um it's not quite the same is it no no certainly not okay so before I let you go um thought we'd talk a little bit about uh the new set um which you've known for quite a while as Snape and uh has been recently announced as the sky's the limit and uh i'm guessing you worked on this set too yeah i did yeah um and the, uh, the first card that came up for that was the first card that we um signed off with law uh which was kamala um which is the yeah. uh the, 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 promo. the promo as well yeah mm. and uh we had, we had a lot of fun uh working on that one because obviously the actress um funky Jensen's been in quite a lot of stuff, and yeah, she's she's obvious well one known is, in the uh, geek community. Yeah, the obvious one is X Men to go for. So, um, yeah, if you look in her lore, you'll uh, you'll spot the word mutant, and um, you might well know her as well from uh, her appearance in James Bond as uh, on the top. Yeah, and, Goldeneye, I believe. Goldeneye, yeah. Um, and uh, the word uh, the word Bond also manages to sneak its way into her lore as well. <laughs> And makes think, perfect yeah. sense with her story, too. So Yes, yeah, it was uh, nicely worked in, I thought. And uh, Charlie mentioned both of those somewhere in the Q&A thread as well. Nice, nice. I haven't read all the way through the Q&A thread, but... <laughs> but, yeah, that was one I, I happened to spot as well, so... that That's a neat one. Yeah. Um, the the Cassian that's been spoiled so far, um, Girl Nador... Um, I think someone mentioned in the, the threads that um, the word elder um, jumped out as... Um, as a striking it. word, yeah, yeah. He <laughs> thought it was a keyword, but it's not a keyword. But it, yeah, it looks like uh, it's a reference to something. It's a reference. Um, the the actor who, uh, who played Golnador has made a second appearance in Star Trek. Really? Um, in the 2009 film. Oh. He, uh, it was a background... Uh, actually played one of the Vulcan elders. In um, um, I think it was where they uh, they tried to just evacuate them just before Spock's mother dies. I see. And uh, so he that played... kind of gives another meaning to this uh, sentence here about encountering the Enterprise in multiple realities. Um, I no, that was that was genuinely linked to uh... <laughs> linked to parallels. Yeah. Yeah, but yes, I suppose it could actually have a, have a double meaning. That's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the elder reference is definitely a, a reference to uh, the 2009 film. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, so someone came close. They didn't. They didn't. They they saw the word. You know, like like I said, sometimes I see the cards and I'll read a sentence. Somebody like ah, oh, that looks suspicious. Yeah. Somebody caught it, but didn't wasn't able to identify it. Yes. But yeah, now it's been identified. That's cool. Um, there is another one. Um, 
on um, the new Romulan. It's been released. Relam. Relam. Okay. Um, look at him here. Yeah, I think I saw this one. Uh, well, I saw. I think I, I spotted this as a possibility, but um, I didn't know what it was. Is it where it says he has a family tradition of military okay. service? Yes. So the same actor um, appeared as Relam, um, and also um, as Taris from Premier, the um, stellar cartography mission specialist. Yes. And also Farkett from Blaze of Glory. He was he was he was one of um, Tyback's assistants in um, Mind's Eye. Okay. Um, so he's he's appeared as uh, three different Romulans in TNG in the background. Gotcha. So it's referring to his multiple roles. Exactly. Uh, I, m- my guess would have been that he was on Modern Family or something, <laughs> but I wouldn't know. Yeah, um, and it's not actually been released on the site yet. But another card that was spoiled um, on Section Thirty One, I think, was uh, Maru, and the Maru. amazingly. Um, the, yeah, uh, he was on uh, this week's episode, and uh, I recognized the actor. That's um, Glenn Morshauer, who's uh, one of those guys that's been in everything. You see that, and you're like, "Oh, I know that guy." And you're like, I know him from Twenty Four, uh, but you know, you see, you you've probably seen him somewhere. Yeah, well, for me, he always stands out as um, Ensign Burke or Lieutenant Burke from um, the TNG episode Peak Performance. Uh huh, and um, that was obviously the uh, the war games um, strategy, uh, yeah, war games strategic um, games episode where uh, right, right, the the strategy, yeah, yeah, he was uh, he was in the strategema scene, I think somebody meant somebody pointed that out in the chat room. Yeah, um, but he was um, I've not got the card in front of me, so I can't reference exactly. But I think strategic games or strategy games was. Uh, referenced in his lore and someone's already spotted that that was the connection yeah uh, and he also um, there was another one about the american west or the ancient american west yeah he appeared in an episode of enterprise as well i think it was during the third season when they were off doing the, the whole zindi thing there was one episode in there where they found a uh, an earth-like planet which was stuck in the um um american west era and it was called i think it was called north star and he played um i think it was a some sort of um, sheriff or deputy. You know. Yeah, okay, yeah, I think I remember that. Mm-hmm. Hence the reference to the American Wild West in there. I try to block out most of the Enterprise episodes, but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I think I remember him now. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's one of those guys that I'll be watching something and I'll, I'll suddenly pick him up. Like, oh, that's, that's so-and-so. You know, another one is, um, especially when they've been on 24, which is another series that I, I watched a lot of. Gregory Itzen was one is one that I see a lot. Oh, yeah. he's, he's been all over. He's been all over Star Trek, and he was mm. uh, one of the presidents in Twenty Four. Yeah, he's been in. He's been in Deep Space Nine twice. He was. Um, he was in Dax early on, and then he was in um, Who Mourns for Morn. Yeah, I remember him as. Um, he was. Wasn't he? He was Elon Tandro. Elon Tandro. Yeah. Yeah. Elon. And um, he was also in um, the Enterprise Mirror Universe two-parter. Yes. The, um, Admiral Black or Logan Black. Yeah, it, it, it right. was, um, yeah, and some sort of admiral or something. 
In fact, I think Logan, he's Logan Black on the on the 2E card, and I think Logan is an Easter egg because he was President Logan in 24. <laughs> Love to make sure we, uh, we keep that if we ever convert him. So, yeah, there's another one for you. There's one you didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a little surprise. Okay. Um, I, uh, I knew we, we wanted to talk about 1E this week because uh, we did it. My last episode was a 2E-themed uh, episode, yeah. and we've got a new 1E set coming. So I managed to procure a spoiler Ooh. from The Sky's the Limit. So uh, I've got a card here we can, we can talk about a little bit. And, okay. uh, and uh, the card here is a... It's called um, Cybernetic Homing Device. And it is a space dilemma, uh, and it reads as follows. If Android or non-Borg affiliation, Borg, it's, it's the circle Borg affiliation. So if a non-Borg Borg aboard, <laughs> confused yet? <laughs> uh, you read it on the card. <laughs> What's that? Looks a lot better when you read it on the card, because it, it Certainly, reads... Yeah, yeah. Uh, opponent may move ship up to printed range. Ship is stopped. Then discard dilemma. Otherwise, to get past requires cunning greater than 36. So if someone has an android or one of the one of the liberated Borg, I guess, like uh, like uh, Chain of Command Picard or, or uh, the trio or Seven of Nine or something like that. Or the new um, third of five. Or the new third of five, correct. That's already been spoiled. Uh, then uh, then it's it's a bit worse for them. And uh, if not, then it's just a cunning wall. So it sounds like uh, like we, we, we talked a little bit about it uh, before, before uh, we started recording. It sounds a little bit like a uh, maybe a meta check for... Uh, androids and borg i think it was rumored that uh and we, we saw third of five and and there's been talk about a non-aligned data so th there's rumors about possibly a, a a borg faction in this set so well with um with data has some issues as well yeah um, it looked like um there is a bit of a, a theme down that road yeah, so these might be sort of a safety valve just in case uh, androids get to be too good or, or, or a Borg faction of some sort. Um, sorry? It'll be interesting to see how that works in block. Definitely, yeah. Uh, and we have some lore here. Uh, the lore is Data and his brother Lore each contained a homing device. When Dr. Soong activated them in 2367... Data took control of the USS Enterprise to reach his creator. Yeah, we didn't, didn't hide any Easter eggs in that one. Uh, and we've got an image. Um, looks like uh, it's, well, you know, the lore kind of picks it out, but it's from Brothers. And uh, we've got an image of Data uh, sitting at a console, staring into it with his hands working the controls. And uh, I think this is the scene where he's entering that really long access code. Yeah, is he based in that sort of blue light from where the... Um... Yeah, he's yeah, locking the... out the Enterprise computer. Yeah, yeah I, know, I, know, I know the scene, yeah. 
So toward toward the beginning of that episode. Uh, and uh, the collector number for those of you uh, prospective list makers out there is two V. So I would have guessed the V. Pretty uh, pretty obvious. It's an it's a early early dilemma in the set. So it's a it's a a low number. It's pretty early on in the set. So. So uh, no Easter eggs in this. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, uh, putting this card together? Was uh, was there a different story attached, or did you did you have a story attached when uh, when Creative got a hold of this? Um, no, I think the um, when we when we got um, the, the version of this card from um, from the playtesters and design, it, um, I think it was called Android Homing Device at the time. Uh-huh. I think we might change it to Cybernetic to make sure it encompassed. The sort of the Borg element as well as the Android from the game text, um, and then we just put we put in a, a, a very sort of logical and descriptive lore as to what the actual scenario was there. I don't think there was an awful lot of space to put in any jokes in, in that one. We had uh, we have toyed with the idea of at some point uh, having uh, some sort of card that just uses that really long access code as a lore, but um, we need to find the the, the right situation to, to squeeze that in would that fit <laughs> in a lore box um if you spell it out in letters it probably won't but if you just <laughs> the, the numbers as numbers it might um but that probably wouldn't look that nice on the card either so yeah um it was a really with, long code if i remember correctly yeah um hopefully someday we'll uh, we'll get a situation where we can use that either um either the um the the, the quotas are a law, perhaps, or the um, the image on screen where he's actually reading out all the numbers. Yeah, that. Uh, <laughs> well, this is this is close because this is him en- entering entering the code. Uh, I do remember uh, there was an image where I think we saw the code being entered. I don't think it was the entire code, but like it it, it showed the screen at some point while he was entering that in. Yeah. Just to give you an idea, like, oh yeah, this is a long code. <laughs> Just to give you that visual. Hopefully, one day we'll get to use that. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. <laughs> All right, well, uh, Mr. Shrek, uh, I think that's about all we can talk about um, until uh, I guess until we can see more of this set. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to the 26th and seeing uh, the sky's the limit uh, as a full-fledged expansion. And uh, that, should, that should be good fun. I'm looking forward to playing that. Definitely. Uh, I, I'm already getting some ideas. So, and uh, looking forward to more of your work in future sets. Oh well, uh, pleasure talking to you. Definitely. Uh, well, uh, thanks for being on the show. Cheers. All right. That's our show for today. 
Thanks to Jaguam Shrek for his time talking with us about First Edition. And thanks to Hot Fiction for their theme song. Special thanks to Corbin Johnson, Thomas Kamora, and Allison Cagle. Send me a message and let me know who you'd like to hear on the show. And don't forget, you can also follow me on Twitter at OKCoyote. We'll see you next time with another episode, but for now, this is Daniel Madison, ending transmission. Star Trek in All Forms is copyright and trademark of CBS Paramount Studios, which has no affiliation with this podcast or trekcc.org. This podcast is for nonprofit use only. Special thanks to Hot Fiction for their theme song started off, as well as additional music used during the show. Look them up at hotfiction.co.uk. Thanks also to Corbin Johnson for production assistance. For questions or comments, send a message to OK Coyote on the Trek CC forums. Until next time, this is Allison Cagle signing off for Assimilate This. Uh, hello, I am the master of the universe.